Hi, I'm Jason Seaver. I'm a psychiatrist, and I believe in the infinite potential of the human spirit. And I'm Maggie Seaver. I'm a mother, and the infinite potential of the human spirit scares the hell out of me. <laughs> Don't let her fool you. She's not so tough. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, anyway, last week, after 15 years of motherhood, Maggie went back to work as a reporter for the local newspaper. And Jason moved his practice into the house so he can be there for the kids. They're great kids. Yeah. And we have a great relationship with them. Yeah, there's just one problem. Their father trusts them, and they know it. Unbelievable. <laughs> Show me that smile again. Don't waste everybody, this is Angela Bowen, the host of Show Me That Smile Again, a Growing Pains podcast. Well, guys, it's a new year and a new podcast. How has everyone's year been so far? Mine's been good. You know, I'm back to work and doing my job and hitting high numbers and just, it's been really good. I actually, even over the Christmas break, I did see some movies I saw, let's see, what did I see? I saw Welcome to Marwin, which I absolutely loved. I really wish that more people liked it, but everyone's got their own opinion. And Mary Poppins Returns, I saw that one. I liked that one. It was good. I even bought the soundtrack, but I have yet to open it. And the last one I saw was the new Spider-Man movie, the animated one, and I liked it. I liked it so much, I went out to the library and got the book by Jason Reynolds of uh, Miles Morales. So that's pretty cool. I just started reading that. It's, it's interesting. You know, the movie piqued my interest enough. I really don't know a whole lot about the Superman movies. The only ones I ever watched were like the first three with Tobey Maguire in it. And I didn't watch The Amazing Spider-Man. Jeremy said he had watched the first one, but he just, he didn't care for it. But I would like to catch the Spider-Man Homecoming movie that came out, like, what, a year or two ago? So, yeah. But, other than that, things are going well. As you know, the Wonder Years podcast has come to an end as of 2018. And today, we are focusing on Season 1, Episode 1 of Growing Pains, entitled Pilot. And here's the IMDb description. The upwardly mobile suburban Seaver family, wow, that's a mouthful, experiences some growing pains. Oh my gosh, who wrote this? This is just funny. When Maggie Seaver returns to work as a newspaper reporter, Jason Seaver moves his psychiatric practice into the home and 15-year-old son Mike asks for more freedom and gets it. And by the way, you guys can actually watch these episodes uh, if you have Amazon Prime. So, you guys can follow along if you'd like. As I've stated uh, before, I'm not doing every single episode of every season. I'm just kind of picking and choosing. Um, I'll probably even throw a couple episodes up there for you guys to vote on. Before I move on to uh, the following season and just kind of pick a handful of which ones I'd like to do. 
Uh, in February, I'm starting up the Small Wonder. She's a Small Wonder, the Small Wonder podcast. So I'm looking forward to that, too. Uh, on this podcast, you're also still going to get Silver Spoon. Silver Spoon Season 1 is wrapping up this month, and I'll start Season 2 in February. Alright, this episode's got a 7.5 out of 10 rating. Excuse me. <sighs> Dang. Mm. I don't know why I just yawned, because it's just after noon, and I woke up like probably an hour and a half ago. <laughs> um, this episode was directed by John Pasquin. Writers Neil Marlins. Well, writer Neil Marlins, who you guys know as the one of the creators of Growing Pains. Carol Black actually did come on for a couple episodes, I believe, to write. So that's pretty cool. Because this show started in 85 before Wonder Years kicked off in 88. And season one, we get an appearance by Dan Laria, who actually dated Joanna Kearns, who plays Maggie Seaver. And we also get an appearance by Olivia Diabo, I think her name is. She played Karen Arnold. She plays a girl in season one. I think her name is Wendy. She's kind of goofy-ish. Mike's kind of love interest for an episode. So I will definitely do that episode. I will do the Dan Loria one. He plays Ben's hockey coach. So, the those two also start in a couple like, uh, one other episode in either season two or three. So I will also do those ones. So I think that's kind of cool. Alright. Ooh, we got some Trivia. Okay, okay. Here we go. When the Disney Channel aired the series in the late 90s, see guys, that's how I watched a lot of reruns on regular TV, probably by the time that Growing Pains was off the air. But a lot of my viewing of Growing Pains came when it was aired on the Disney Channel in the late 90s. So the trivia here is when the Disney Channel aired the series in the late 90s, this episode was rarely seen due to its adult themes, such as Mike getting arrested and Jason mildly swearing. What is that? Hell? Damn? Um, and the thing is, the Disney Channel not only... um didn't show this episode. They also showed, did not show other episodes of season one. Uh, the one where we have Dana Plato from Different Strokes coming on dressed like Madonna who wants to get in Mike's pants and fuck him in his parents' bedroom. Yeah. Of course we didn't get that one. There's one where Mike goes out for karate. I'd never seen that one. And I'm just like... And I didn't even realize I'd never seen those episodes until I was, like, going on, you know, the early days of the internet. The, um, early 2000s. (laughs) For me, my early days of the internet, going online when, um, there wasn't a whole lot of websites available. But I did manage to stumble upon a Growing Pains website that had the episodes of season one listed and I'm just looking through I'm like what are these other episodes I've never seen them before in my life okay the next trivia Olivia guys I'm watching the Cosby show right now and I'm on season six where they bring on Olivia and I told Jeremy like Olivia looks like 
She reminds me of Michelle Tanner from Full House. It's just the cute factor. And the thing is with that, it's like, she comes on and Denise says, Olivia's three years old. This girl is not a three-year-old. The actress, I don't think, she must have been at least six. She's speaking in clear, coherent, full sentences. Maybe a three-year-old can do that. Maybe they can't. I don't really know, but this, like, no way in hell is that girl three years old. <clears throat> okay. Elizabeth Ward was originally chosen to play Carol Seaver, but after the pilot was shown to test audiences with poor results, <clears throat> excuse me, she was replaced by Tracy Gold, who originally auditioned and lost the part to Elizabeth Ward. Wow, how does that feel to Elizabeth Ward, huh? All scenes that involved Carol Seaver were reshot, except the police station scene where Elizabeth Ward's part was only deleted. One can still see her loitering in the background. You know, I'm going to look for that scene. I'm definitely going to look for that scene. Oh, oopsie. Ooh, I hit my laptop with my drink. <laughs> Luckily, it was just a side of it. Um... I honestly think they made a very wise choice in casting Tracy Gold over Elizabeth Ward. I don't dislike Elizabeth Ward. I did watch the unaired pilot, and I just was not impressed with her performance. She just, I don't know why, just felt like she didn't gel with, uh the other characters with her brothers, you know, Mike and Ben, and with the parents, it just, it has nothing to do with the way that she looks, either, it just, I can, I can understand, it's just, something about her just seemed dull and flat, but, you know, they brought on Tracy Gold, and I'm honestly kind of wondering in this now, what if they hadn't brought Tracy Gold back, what if Elizabeth Ward the test audiences were fine with her. And they did the same thing that they did to Tracy, which was the whole thing with writing and all these fat jokes and everything, and then that led to Tracy Gold with the eating disorder. Would the same thing, how would Elizabeth Ward have handled it differently is what I'm asking. I, we, we don't know. We really don't know. And it's just so sad that they had to do that. I've seen sitcoms, guys. I've seen them. I've seen siblings interact with each other. I've never, ever seen siblings call each other fat or... I don't know about ugly. I, maybe, maybe ugly. But not fat. It's just not, to, and not to the extent of it going on for so many years. It's bad enough, you know, girls have body issues. Like, it doesn't matter what your age. You still sometimes don't like how you look. And when people are pointing it out, when this is your job, you're getting paid. And people are getting paid to call you this. That's gotta, oh. But, alright, the last piece of trivia for this episode. The Seaver's ad address was 15 Robin Hood Lane, Massapequa, New York. A fictional street in a real town. I always thought they lived on Long Island because they were always talking about, like, what the, um, Mike was saying something about when, spoiler, they find out that their parents had been divorced before, uh, 
beforehand and they all think that Jason's got another family with kids and, and, and Mike's all like oh I bet they even live somewhere here on Long Island so I don't know much about Long Island I really don't know much about New York but uh oh oh here we go let's get okay let's uh but you know I'll learn as I go we got some goofs here. Mike's hair length changes across scenes. His hair is noticeably longer and more curly in some scenes, those with Tracy Gold, than in others. This occurs because they reshot the scenes with Tracy Gold to replace the scenes with Elizabeth Ward, who played Carol in the pilot. How long between shooting the actual pilot and then reshooting those scenes... Did it take for... Because it does not take long for your hair to grow. I can usually go for uh, usually a haircut about six... In between six... If I wait eight weeks, my bangs are driving me up the wall. And I wear my hat to keep myself from playing with my bangs. Like, at work, even though I repeatedly take my hat off because it's warm. I'll put it on because otherwise I'm playing, pushing my hair constantly behind my ears because it's getting in my face and it's slowing me down in my work. We got some connections. Maggie says, make my day. From the movie Sudden Impact. Who's the boss? Maggie hums the theme song. I'm looking for that. Guys, I might eventually here and there, I'm thinking about it, you know, down the road. I have season one of Who's the Boss? And I might just pick some episodes here and there. Graduation day. Clip used in flashback sequence. Well, of course it is. We'll get to that one. Soundtracks. I Feel the Earth Move. Performed by Joanna Kearns and Alan Thicke. Moon River. Performed by Kirk Cameron, Tracy Gold, and Jeremy Miller. Okay, cool, cool. That's interesting. That's Moon River. I've heard of Moon River. Wasn't that also done by, um... Oh, what the hell is his name? Oh, Nelson Muntz from The Simpsons was all about that. Andy Williams! Boom! Yes, that was it. Andy Williams. Okay. I feel the earth move. I know that song, too. I know that song. I am sorry if it sounds like I'm yelling into the microphone. I'm, I'm trying not to. Ah, this episode was air date September 24th, 1985. It would have been a month after I turned three years old. So I don't think I was watching Growing Pains at that time. I don't know what I was watching when I was three. Probably Kissy Fur or Thundercats or something like that. Or Berenstein Bears. I don't know. Alright guys, enough chatter. Let's jump into this episode. Also, before... Let me just say, um, I do all the posting on Instagram, on the Growing Pains Pod Instagram feed, as well as the Wonder Years one. So if you follow along on the Wonder Years, you will see about upcoming episodes for Growing Pains. And with this, I think, for this month, I think I'm going to do three episodes because I think on January 26th, I want to do the, um... You know, I think I'll do four. I'll just, I'll do the month and then we'll just see how it goes from there. Because in February, I start Small Wonder and I kind of want to see how we balance those. I think I might do, um, 
Growing Pain twice a month and Small Wonder twice a month. I think I'm going to go for that. I think that's what we're going to do because I'm also doing Silver Spoons and I don't want to like blow myself out. <laughs> I don't want to do that. But um, yes, also Show Me That Smile Again at Growing Pains Podcast does have a Facebook page. And I believe you can get to the Instagram page and the Facebook page via the Wonder Years podcast on SoundCloud. So... All right, guys, let's jump into this. I am excited. I hope you are, too. And I will be play- playing ki- clips here and there, too. So, Okay, so the episode opens. We actually get a little background information. We see Jason sitting at his desk. We see him wearing these typical 80s psychiatrists. I don't want to label, like, psychiatrists. Like, they all wear glasses. But he's wearing these typical big 80s glasses. Guys, I don't think we ever see these glasses on him ever again. So he gives us a little background information. For the last 15 years, Mike is 15. So Mike, okay, um, Jason has been working outside of the home. Maggie's been a stay-at-home mom for the last 15 years. You know, she's been taking care of Mike, Carol, and little Ben. And now it's about time to uh, switch things up a little bit. Maggie's going to go back into the workforce. She does have a degree, so she is going to be a newspaper reporter. She's, I believe she has a degree in journalism, actually. And Jason is bringing his practice into the home, which... What do you guys think about that? Do you think that is a wise decision? I mean, if it were any other job that could be brought into the home. I mean, psychiatry, I think you've got to be very, very careful with that. Especially depending on the severity of your patient's dilemmas, what's going on with them. If they're mentally unstable, I would not bring them into my house. Not with kids around. Although, if you don't feel safe with your client, I don't think you would be continuing to um, have them as a patient. So, and we see Maggie Seaver. We get shots from um, the episode here, I'm guessing. Yeah. Maggie's wearing a tie. What is it with the women wearing the ties? I don't understand that. Was it just, um,. Not a form of masculinity, but, uh, it was a, it was a fad. It was a thing. Women wearing ties. Yeah, guys, this is all stuff from this episode. Oh, we also get a shot from the next episode, which is the Springsteen episode. Because Mike comes in, he's got a red baseball cap shoved into his back pocket, just like, what's his, um, John... (laughs) Uh, Springsteen. (laughs) Yeah. And now we get the theme song, which season one's theme song, I I don't like. It's like they got pictures of, like, old English paintings and stuff like that. Like, eh. At least in season two, they have pictures of the cast. But maybe they were still kind of working out the kinks, getting all the, you know, the photos and everything that they would possibly need for the following season. I am playing this clip, guys. She is singing. She is humming the theme song. And I love how it says, written by Neil Marlins. 
So we got that Wonder Years connection there. Maggie is at the Kitchen Island. Carol's coming to the table with the orange juice. Ben is sitting down. He's listening to a Walkman. He's got the uh, earbuds on, or the uh, headphones, not the earbuds. I, when I had, um, like, a Walkman uh, tape player when I was, like, in... 10 years old and 11 and stuff like that. The thing that I didn't like about... Because my dad would get me um, a new, like, Walkman, like, every... You know, for when I was 10 and 11. And then eventually, uh... Let's see, in 12 and 13... When I was 14, I got the uh, portable CD player. But anyway, the headphones, that like, came with it. You know how they have that soft, you know, that foam cushion that protects your ears? Well, eventually, you listen to it so much, because I would listen to it five days a week for however many minutes the bus ride to school and then home from school. That padding wears away till eventually all you have left is that hard plastic pushing into your ear and around your ear and around your ears. And it's so uncomfortable. And I was telling Jeremy about it. He's like, well, why didn't you just, like, get another pair? And I'm like, well, we didn't always have money for that stuff. But, uh, yeah. I'm sure all of you can prob probably relate to the whole headphone uh, cushion thing. All right, lady, wrap that spatula or your scrimp. Go ahead. Make my day. I guess I showed you. Show me more. Oh, Jason, the kids. I can kiss the kids later. Okay, so Maggie is making scrambled eggs at the kitchen island, so that's where the stove is. All right. So the sink is on the other side. Okay. So <laughs> Jason comes up to Maggie, and he's holding the, um, not the whisk, but... What are those? Is it? It's like a. It's like a whisk, but not. It's like the thing with the mo the movable parts, and you like move the crank. That 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 old thing. He's like, hey, drop the whisk, whisk or no, drop the spatula, lady, or nobody gets hurt. <laughs> and Maggie turns and just looks at Jason like, make my day. This is cute. This banter that they have here. It just shows that. They have a loving relationship. They, you know, they have no problems in public displays of affection in front of their children. And she's like, Jason, the children, as he kisses her. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll kiss them later. Oh, that's it's cute. As they look over at the table and Carol's just sitting there with this grin on her face. She's kind of like, hi, I'm here. Remember me? Your child, your second born. So Jason tells Maggie how he read an article about how uh, to, uh, how working couples should always make time to remain. Well, he bumps her hip and he, he says frisky, but it's like, yeah, to try to uh, get in that extra uh, PDA time 
what they can to keep their marriage exciting. <laughs> and Megan just looks at him like at breakfast and he's like at all meals. Like, oh, now we get Mike's introduction and I'm going to play this clip. As he comes into the kitchen, he puts his book and his book and binder down and he looks at his parents is like really you two you're doing this and the thing is i watched family ties this summer i have not finished it yet i'm only on season five but um that was the thing with the kids you know with alex and mallory and jennifer their parents would always have their hands on each other all the time constantly kissing and hugging and rubbing up on each other and the kids like really you gotta do this in the daytime too or I'm eating do you really have to do this while I eat what's the matter you guys aren't getting enough <laughs> Mike a lot of kids would get smacked for a remark like that oh, come on dad you can't hit me you're a liberal humanist could be an accident <laughs> could be a dream come true um, can't we sell Carol and get a tape deck for the Volvo? I give new meaning to the word vacuous. Oh, yeah? What was the old meaning? I rest my case. Ben! Ben! What's so funny, Ben? That Phyllis George, she screwed up again. <laughs> So yeah, Mike just looked at his parents like, really? You're not getting enough at home at night? You gotta do this in the daytime or, or whatever? And, oh no, he's like, you guys don't get enough of each other? And Jason kind of looks at him like, you know, Mike, a lot of kids would get smacked for saying that, something like that. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> okay, that kind of went dark for a split second. And Mike just looks at his dad, he's like, dad, come on, you can't hit me. You're a liberal humorist. What do you- No, a liberal humanist. Don't know what that is. Um, nowadays, you say something like, a lot of kids will get smacked for that, and the kid's gonna be calling the CPS in a heartbeat. You can't even say, I'm gonna swat your butt in a store because people will be calling CPS on your ass in a heartbeat. And... <laughs> Mike, of course, makes a comment about Carol to his mom. Like, hey, mom, can't we sell Carol and get a tape deck for the Volvo? They drive a Volvo? <laughs> of course, uh, when Mike makes that comment about how, oh, you can't hit me, Dad. You're a liberal humanist. And Mike, or Jason, just kind of puts his hands up. Well, it could be an accident. And this leads to Carol saying, or it could be a dream come true. To which Mike mentions to his mom, can we trade in Carol and get a tape deck for the Volvo? And she, what did she say to him? She says, you give new meaning, Mike, to the word vacuous. What the hell is that? I'm looking that up right now. Alright, so here is the definition of vacuous. One, emptied or a lacking content. Two, marked by lack of ideas or intelligence. Stupid, inane. Three, devoid of serious occupation. What the fuck? Carol, stop using those words on your brother. You know he doesn't know what they mean. And of course, Mike's retort to that is, well, what was the old meaning? Or something like that. 
So we see what Ben is actually looking at. He's looking at one of those little mini TVs that has an antenna at the top. That's what he's got his uh, earbud, his uh, headphones plugged into. And Jason's trying to get his attention like, Ben, Ben, waving a hand in front of his face. He finally lifts up one of the headphones and says, Ben, what's so funny? So Ben says that Phyllis George, she screwed up again. So I don't know what he's referring to. I don't know what he... Because I'm, I'm looking her up and I'm just... I'm not seeing a lot of what she's done. So the phone rings and now we move over to Carol who's reading a magazine article. To which Maggie asks, you know, what are you reading? And Carol mentions something about how we're reaching a near future that eventually will lead to mass deorganization. So basically they're just implying... I mean... She's got, uh, Carol's got, you know, the glass, the big glasses and everything, which eventually she does drop the glasses later on. And it's just, they're implying that she's smart. She's reading these magazines that have all this topics that no other person could probably even remotely be interested in. But I think being this is the pilot, they're kind of just instituting... Mike's gonna be the goofy one that gets into tr trouble. Carol's the smart, intelligent one who throws out words that no one knows and has to look up in the fucking dictionary like myself. And she reads articles about stuff that is very not that interesting unless you're her. <laughs> Even Maggie doesn't know, like, what the hell is she talking about? So I'm guessing this takes place all takes place right before school because someone's calling up Mike on the phone and he's asking, hey, what are you guys doing tonight? And apparently, the House of Sweat, which turns out it's, I think it's like a bar or not, it's a nightclub or something. You gotta be like 21 or over. Mike is not 21 or over. He's not even 18. He's 15. And the fact that he's having this conversation with his friends on the phone with his parents present as he says, House of Sweat, looks over. His mom's kind of looking at him like, who are you talking to? And he just kind of whispers in the phone like, hey, I'll, I'll talk to you guys later at school. Clearly, this is a setup for what's going to happen later in the episode. Yeah. What's that you're reading about? Well, it says here that as the universe expands, all matter is slowly degenerating into a state of total disorganization. Thank God, I thought it was just me. <laughs> yeah, so what are you guys doing tonight? The House of Sweat? Yeah, great. <laughs> hey, look, can I talk to you guys later? Yeah, bye. Mike? What is the House of Sweat? Well, it's, you know... It's that new under-20 dance club on Jericho Turnpike. Yeah, and it sounds like a great idea, Mom. Ah, it's a safe, wholesome place for teens to congregate. <laughs> and the larger the group, the smaller their brains get. Oh, come on, Maggie. Yeah, come on, Maggie. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, well, time to go wait for that school bus. You know, if I hurry, I can still get a seat in the non-smoking section. Bye. Bye, Ben. I love you. Later, Ben. 
So yeah, I figure as much as soon as he gets off the phone, his, Maggie is all like, what is the house of sweat? Carol clearly knows exactly what the place is. It's an under 20 club and it's on some random Gerard Street. And yeah, it's, Mike plays it off like, oh, it's just a place where kids, teenagers go to congregate or whatever. <laughs> So, Mike kind of goes over to his dad, puts his hands on Jason's shoulders, and it's kind of like, come on, dad, don't you think this is a good idea? And Jason's like, oh yeah, come on, Maggie, like, let's give him the benefit of the doubt here. And I love how Mike's all like, yeah, come on, Maggie, as we come back to Maggie, and she's like, I am your mother, you will call me as such. So, Mike realizes, it's like, alright, you know what, I'm gonna go wait for that school bus, hopefully I can get in the non-smoking section as he grabs his binder and takes off. Maggie hands the kids each a brown paper bag with a lump of something in there, which is probably a smushed up sandwich. It literally looks like a lump of something from what it is. I mean, that is clearly, it was a sandwich at one point, and now it's like mixed in with a bag of chips. And they're all crumbles in that bag of chips. <laughs> there might be a juice box in there, I don't know. So the kids are all gone, and Jason's like, hey, I have a bit of time before my 9 o'clock appointment shows up. Uh, if you got 8 to 10 seconds... And you're feeling frisky, we could just go upstairs and... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I think you do. So, Jason walks out of the kitchen and Maggie's just kind of cleaning up the kitchen table. That's where we see Ben come in. He's got his bag. He's got his lunch box. As I get, Carol and Mike have moved on to brown paper sacks and he's still carrying a little lunch box. And Ben's not feeling so hot about his mom going back to work for the last nine years, because he's nine. She's always been there when he's been home from school, and or even before he goes to school. And the idea of her not being there just doesn't sit well. He, he doesn't like change, so I'm going to play this clip. Ben, what are you doing here? You'll miss the bus. What's the matter, honey? Dad didn't know how to do my elbow. Oh? Let me see. Oh, Dad did a great job on this cut. Superman band-aids, the works. Oh, I get it. He didn't kiss it. And say, I love you, little pumpkin head. It was all so clinical. <laughs> Mom, how come you had to go back to work? I didn't have to, Ben. I wanted to. Come here. Ben, imagine you had to spend 15 years in this house without ever going out to play. You'd go crazy, wouldn't you? Well, believe it or not, a lot of grown-ups feel the same way about work. That's sick, Mom. <laughs> and I know this has been a big change for all of us. 
And I worry about not being here for you because, well, you're the youngest. And I worry about not being here for Carol because she's a girl and she needs her mother. And I worry about not being here for Mike to keep him from accidentally blowing something up. <laughs> and believe me, I worry about leaving your father here to cope with all you monsters. You shouldn't worry so much, Mom. You'll make yourself crazy. <laughs> So Ben comes in, sets his lunchbox and his bag on the kitchen island, and Maggie's like, what's wrong, sweetie? And he's like, well, Dad didn't know how to do my elbow. And Maggie sits down on one of the stools and kind of, you know, pulls Ben's coat up, reveals that... He's got this large band-aid, like, covering the whole section, like, the entire elbow. And Maggie mentions, like, oh, it looks alright, you know, he put a Spider-Man band-aid on your elbow. And the fact that Ben's like, yeah, but it was also clinical. It's like, well, because I guess mothers are different. She's like, oh, he did, he forgot to kiss it. As she lifts his arm and kisses from his wrist to his elbow all the way up to the side of his face. Oh, so cute. It shows that Maggie is such a nurturing mother and everything. And I guess there's a little more going on with Ben as he says, Mom, why did you have to go back to work? And she's like, Ben, I didn't have to go back to work. I wanted to. And she's goes over to the kitchen table, sets him on her lap, and explains to him how, okay, here's a scenario. Imagine for 15 years living in this house and never being allowed to go out to play. You'd go nuts, right? And he's like, eh, I can't. And she says, well, you know what? Believe it or not, a lot of adults feel that about work. Uh, yeah, me, sometimes. <laughs> and Ben just kind of looks at his mom like, mom, you're nuts. And she just kind of goes on to say how, and, you know, she explains to Ben, it's like, I know that, you know, this is a big change for all of us. You know, I worry about not being here for you because, well, you're the youngest. And I worry about not being here for Carol because she's a girl and she needs her mother. And I worry about not being here for Mike to keep her from accidentally blowing something up. And Ben just kind of looks at his mom like, Mom. You shouldn't worry so much. You'll drive yourself crazy. And I love how she calls him Pumpkinhead. That's her little nickname for him. She's called him, you know, that twice. And that does kind of come back in a flashback, I think, in season six when she homeschools Ben because he's getting into too much trouble um, when he's skipping a bunch of classes. And we get this particular flashback after she's been talking to Ben and wanting to keep him home instead of sending him back to school. And, uh, yeah. It's a really sweet moment. I love this with, you know, her and little Ben. Now we move on to Jason's psychiatri or, uh, psychiatric appointment. This is the same guy. I don't know if it's the same character. I'll have to listen along and see if it is. From the Christmas Story episode, the guy who wanted to commit suicide dressed as Santa and diving down the Seaver's chimney. 
But this guy is dressed like a businessman, so I'm going to listen along. He's talking about having a reoccurring dream about being on a subway and there's a beautiful woman. This guy is basically retelling what sounds like a sex dream. As he's saying, he's on the subway, this lady sits across from him, he licks his lips, she licks her lips, and I'm like, this sounds like a sex dream. Why are... Ugh. Is this guy a sex addict? He's just really enjoying retelling this dream that he has, and it's like he's getting worked up. As, you know, he's lying on the couch, and Jason is over, you know, by the window in a chair, and he's got his pad of paper, he's got his glasses on, as he's just listening to this guy. We don't know what his name is yet. We're listening to him recount this dream. So the lady whispers to him that he has huge knees and we get this shot of his because his knees are bent as he's on this couch and he's like does that mean anything doc? Now as he says this we see Mike coming along um, just outside of the house there alongside the window and he's probably looking in to see like if his dad is in a session. Like Put the window blind down if you got one. Have a little bit of privacy. I see there's a wicker chair out on uh, that uh, front porch of the house. Oh, I also see Ben and Carol with glasses held up to the door because, of course, they want to listen in. too much about this thing, okay? <laughs> See you next week. Bye-bye. Can I talk to you for a second, Dad? Sure. In your office? So Mike comes in, catches them spying. He says something about that should be good for $5 a piece. I don't know what he's referring to. But Jason then opens the door and the guy comes up. The guy's name is Walter, which is the guy's name in the Christmas Story episode. So this is clearly the same guy. Something must have happened between the pilot episode and I believe it was episode 8 or 9. Because this guy is dressed like a businessman. Like he's got his life together and everything. And then all of a sudden everything must go to shit. So Jason's like, I'll see you at our next appointment next week. And I noticed that Ben and Carol are sitting on chairs that are on either opposite side of the door there to Jason's office. And they're both looking down. Ben is being very obvious. Looking at the guy's knees as he takes... He has his uh, suit jacket, like, covering his knees, like he's embarrassed. And Mike is there, and he's like, hey, Dad, can I talk to you, you know, in your in your office? So I think he clearly wants to try to see if, because his dad's a guy, like, maybe if he can um, convince his dad to let him go to this house of sweat place. And I believe that he kind of gets to that tactic by wanting more responsibility, which I believe Jason is a little hesitant to give him, but overall he's like, I give you this responsibility and it's up to you to be responsible to deal with it. But I'll give 
end of the scene in a second. So I love how as soon as Mike goes in there with his dad into his office, closes the door, but then he remembers, he op- Mike opens the door, pulls the glasses out of Ben and Carol's hands because he knows they're going to be listening to his conversation because that's what he walked into when he came home from school. He's like, no, 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 no. This is between me and dad. You guys don't need to listen in. Kids. Wanted to talk about something? Yeah, um, mostly I just wanted to mention how smoothly things have been running since the wife went back to work and you moved your practice into the house. Well, thank you. Dad, we've been friends now for a long time, right? Off and on, yeah. Off and on, I love that. See, Dad, you know that dance hall place that I mentioned this morning? The House of Sweat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jerry and I were talking, and we decided to... Jerry? Yeah, Jerry Delish. He's an older friend of mine, excellent driver with two years of driver's ed. Two years of driver's ed? Yeah, see, in his first class, he ran over a dog. But he drove beautifully after that. We're talking one tiny, reckless little dog here, Dad. Tough break. Yeah. So anyway, I was thinking that maybe we could go down there tonight and Jerry would drive so you wouldn't have to do it. What would your mother say? Mom? I guess you would say... What's the phrase I'm looking for here, Dad? No. Yeah, that's right. I guess it means I can't go, right? Well, it just means I don't like you coming in here and trying to get away with something. That's not the relationship I want to have with you. I'm sorry, Dad. All right, now look. Now that I'm in charge at home, we can try things my way. All right. You don't even know what my way is. Sure I do, Dad. It's a Sinatra song. You're walking a fine line here, Mike. Okay, look, here's the deal. I'll give you a little more freedom. You've got to promise me a lot more responsibility. Hey, no problem, Dad. I swear I am ready for total responsibility. Mike, I'm not ready for total responsibility. You're right, sorry. Okay. You go out and have a good time. Just remember what we talked about. Absolutely, Dad. Thanks, I promise. So, I love how Mike has Jason lay down on the couch, and Mike takes the chair, and he... Starts out with a small talk, like, hey, how's it going now that you've uh, brought your practice into the home, and you know mom's working outside of the home, how's that going? And Jason pretty much sees through this right away. He's like, okay, Mike, what do you actually want to talk about here? Because I know you don't want to talk about this. And Mike brings up, you know, that place, the, the, the house of sweat. Well, a friend of mine, Jerry wants to go to this and he's offered to drive and Jason of course is like Jerry is an I don't know a Jerry and Mike is like oh Jerry Della she's a little older so what the guy if Mike's like a sophomore in high school this Jerry Dellish guy's got to be at least a junior or a senior and It's not really comforting to find out that the guy 
took two years to driver's ed the first time he ran over a dog. That's uh, not inspiring confidence. But Jason says, what would your mother say to this? And Mike's like, yeah, I know. She'd say no. And, <clears throat> well, Jason's like, but, you know, I don't like the idea of you coming in here and trying to take advantage of me just because I'm here and your mother's not. I don't want that to be the relationship that, you know, that we have. So, he does offer Mike the benefit of the doubt. Like, I could give you more freedom, but with that comes more responsibility. And Mike is sitting there, oh, yeah, you know, I'm totally ready for full responsibility. And Jason just looks at him like, I'm a 30-something-year-old adult, and even I'm not ready for full responsibility. So, you know, he lets Mike go, like, hey, it'll be, don't worry about it. But when they come out of the office, Mike's thoughts kind of drift to his mother, like, oh, what is m mom going to say? What if she's mad? And Jason just says, don't worry about it. Your mom's not an ogre. I will talk to her, and she will understand. Really? Because I don't think that Maggie's going to like this at all. The idea that you gave permission to your 15-year-old son to go to a club that's for 20 and older. No, she's not going to understand. So I'm going to play this clip. Yeah, she's not happy at all. You let him do what? <laughs> Maggie's 15 years old now. So he's 15. It's completely arbitrary to just pick an age like that and say that is when a kid is mature. You know, by the time Mozart was 15, he'd written seven symphonies. That's because Mozart's father didn't let him go to the house of sweat. <laughs> Who did he go with? I don't know, some kid, Jerry Dillish, Delish. Jerry, dog killer, Delish. <laughs> Maggie, he hit one dog. Yeah, but he hit it four times. Okay, well, uh, Mike isn't Jerry, and a kid needs some freedom in order to learn responsibility. Ah, oh, Jason, I know you believe in this unlimited human potential stuff. And that's great for your patients, but when it comes, it comes to our own children, I believe in original sin. Sin. I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have gone back to work. No, come on, Maggie, don't say that. Well, you took 15 years off to raise a family, and you deserve to go back to work now. You just have to have a little more faith in me and the kids. So, Maggie and Jason's child raising is clearly a little different, where Maggie, of course, is upset. She doesn't like the idea of her 15-year-old son going to a club. And she even tells Jason, it's like, what, because he's 15? Like, that's okay to just let him come and go and do what he wants. And Jason, of course, brings up Mozart and how, oh, by the time he was 15, he had written 17 symphonies. It's like, yeah, but that was a different time. The kid was a prodigy. And I love how Maggie's like, yeah, because his father didn't let him go to the House of Sweat. And Jason lets it slip about this Jerry 
Delish, and Maggie knows about the dog killing. And Jason's like, oh, it was one little dog. And Maggie's like, what? He ran over it four times. Holy fuck. Now Maggie's doubting herself about having gone back to work. And Jason's like, look, you took 15 years off to raise a family. Now it's your time to get out there in the workforce and, and do what you want to do. Trust in me that I can take care of things when you're not here. We have to have a little bit of faith here. So, yeah. You know, it's just... And I guess I can see in a way where Jason says we need to allow the kids a little bit of freedom to make mistakes so they can learn from those mistakes. I I don't have kids, but I guess I can imagine how else are kids going to learn if they don't make mistakes. I'm not talking big, big mistakes like going out and doing things that are going to change the course of your life for the rest of your life, but little things, you know? Oh, there's my lunch. So Jason suggests to Maggie, like, hey, why don't we get upstairs? I put silk sheets on the bed. I have a glass, a uh, bottle of champagne, chilling on ice, and this and that. And they get ready to head upstairs, but they're interrupted by the phone. Turns out... Mike is in jail, probably because he's only 15 and you gotta be at least, what, 20 to get into that club? So I'm guessing that Jerry Dallas guy probably either tried to sneak them in or had fake IDs made. But I'm gonna play this clip. Mm. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, this is Jason Seaver. No, you must be looking for someone else. Because... Take your clothes off. <laughs> No, no, our Mike is only 15, so he wouldn't be driving a car. <laughs> I see. What did he say? He said that's why your Mike is in our jail. So, when Jason picks up the phone, of course he kind of puts the phone to his chest, and he turns to Maggie and says, Take off your clothes, please. Like, oh, good grief. <laughs> Um, turns out, I'm guessing that Mike was driving, what, Jerry Delish's car? Probably because Jerry Delish can't drive. I'm sure he lost his license. But Jason's like, oh, you must have some other kid, because my Mike is only 15. He can't drive. Hey, Damn it, Mike. I'd be pissed as hell if I were Jason. Well, that kind of ruins Jason and Maggie's happy, uh fun time there. Um, now they gotta deal with this. And of course, I'm guessing that maybe Carol and Ben were upstairs like sleeping. Maybe it was like 10 o'clock at night or something. So now we get to the jail and we get to the jail cell as this big burly looking Hells Angels leather jean jacket wearing glass, sunglasses wearing Guy comes up to Mike. The guy's also got a bandana on his head. So he looks like the average tough person. He's He looks down at Mike. He's like, what are you in for, kid? And Mike just looks at And I'm like, I killed a man just to watch him die. And the guy kind of, I think he kind of backs off. Like, okay, bye. So Mike clearly knows how to, like, tough himself up a smidge to, uh, well, hopefully... To uh, ward off the bad guys. 
Oh, Mike looks at the guy's like, you? And the guy's like, well, he puts his hands up and like, oh, okay, okay. I'm in here for unpaid parking tickets. Holy shit. That guy must have a lot of them. Okay, so Mike jumps up when he sees his mom there. Like, oh, it's my mom. I'm like, uh. And Mike is trying to calm Maggie down as she sets Ben down in a chair. We do see Elizabeth Ward there in the jean jacket. So where's Carol? Or did they just not even add Carol in the scene and they have that other girl there? I don't know. Um, but Jason is not actually being that comforting. Like, oh, Maggie, kids get thrown in jail all the time. Don't don't worry about it. This is nothing. And she's, like, not even having it. Like, do not talk to me right now. This is your fault. So Jason kind of tells Maggie that these cops can be kind of, you know, macho, tough men. But then this nice guy with gray hair, this cop comes out. He's like, oh, would you guys like some hot cocoa? I just made a fresh pot in the back. And <laughs> taking them both by surprise. And Jason kind of takes over the conversation like, um, you have our son Mike locked up? Like, oh, yeah. So Jason tells him like, oh, well, uh, apparently he was driving a car. And the cop pulls the file and reads the report saying how, yes, we picked up your son in the House of Sweat parking lot. Apparently... Mike had been driving in circles for 12 minutes. Uh, probably because he is undecided. Like, should I do this? Should I not do this? I know it's wrong. And Jason's all like, oh, yeah. So he drove around in circles for a few minutes. Yeah, no big deal. And the cop's like, oh, did I forget to mention that he sideswiped a cop car as he was vacating the parking lot? Yeah. Apparently, Mike tore the bumper off the police car like he was peeling an orange. Holy shit. How fast were you going in that parking lot, Mike? So, the bill is 350 to get Mike's ass out of there. I'd be pissed as fuck. It's like, you are paying for that ticket, kid. Or your bail. So the cop hands that to Maggie, and Maggie just like, here, honey, you take care of it. This is your fault. So I'm going to play this clip as Jason and Maggie now approach the jail cell that Mike is hanging out in right now. Yeah, they are fucking royally pissed. Hiya, Dad, Mom. <laughs> you look good tonight. <laughs> you look. Young. Come on, son. Mom, Dad, this is Jerry. I guess it's kind of hard to see the basis of our friendship, huh? I don't know. He has a certain carefree charm. You should see him when he's sober. Mike, you will be grounded for two months. Two months? Dad, can't you talk to her? Oh, I did, Mike. Originally, it was one month. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you added a month. Nothing gets by you, does it? <laughs> Dad, you said you'd talk to Damn her. Damn it, Mike, you said you could act responsibly. Now, I don't want to hear another word out of you. Is that clear? So they get Mike out of jail. We see that Jerry Delish has passed out on the fucking floor of the jail cell. Clearly, he is drunk out of his ass. And, yeah, um, Maggie just looked 
looks at Mike like, we're not listening to your charm. You're grounded for two months. And Mike has the gall to, like, two months? Are you? And he turns to Jason, like, Dad, can't you talk to her? And he tells Mike, like, well, I, um, originally it was going to be a month. And then Mike tells him, but yeah, but you added a month. And Jason just fucking unloads on Mike. He's like, damn it, Mike, you said you were going to be responsible. He grabs Mike by his arm and yanks his ass out of there. Oh, he is fucking, a I would be pissed. Like, you stupid little shit. You think that just because I give you responsibility for the first time that you can just go off and get in a fucking car even though you don't have a goddamn license? Ugh! But clearly this pilot establishes that this is not the first time that Mike is going to get into trouble. Mike, we've established, is the one that is going to be constantly getting into issues and having to have the parents bail him out. Not all the time. But also, and try to come to the realization that I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to... Honestly, I'm going to be clearly honest, he does not learn from his mistakes. He's constantly always making the same ones over and over and over. And he just... I'm um, thinking that... How would the character of Mike have continued... If Kirk Cameron hadn't uh, had his religious experience and then wanted to change the character. Because for the longest time, hell, all the way up to season six, that they were having Mike just be totally irresponsible. It's like by that time he was in college, he lived above the garage, and it's like, honestly, hmm. You can only take so fucking much of a character doing this shit. Like, it's cute when you're, like, 15, 16, but when you get to be 18, 19, and 20, it's not cute anymore. It's fucking aggravating. Like, at some point in your life, you eventually start to learn from your mistakes. I, I don't know. So Carol wasn't in that scene, but they had Elizabeth Ward in that jean jacket. At first I thought, well, maybe Carol was wearing it. No, the only one there was Ben. So now they get home. And I can see now why the Disney Channel did pull this, because, of course, Mike shouting, Damn it, Mike, I thought you were going to be more responsible. Apart on the Disney Channel, they can't have swearing like that, apparently. That's, you know, I have not watched the Disney Channel since I had it back in the late 90s. They had the Torkelsons on there, too, um, at one point. I thought Torkelsons is on, and then they took that off, and then they put Growing Pains on. Um, Disney Channel had Girl Meets World, which that was another spinoff. Like, but Fuller House, in my mind, is better just because it's on Netflix. When you put something like that on the Disney Channel, you gotta, like, soften up, uh, sand off the edges and everything and make it more kid-friendly, and it just doesn't work. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, those are, you know, reasons back in the day they had to take some of that stuff off.
But I'm going to play this clip. The family comes in before I play the clip. And Carol comes in with him. I was like, where the fuck was she in that? Did she sit in the car the whole time? Because she's wearing a, a neon pink sweatshirt. You would not not be able to see that sweatshirt on screen. So where the hell was she? So they get home. Jason is still royally pissed. He just heads into the living room. And Mike hops up on, hops up on the counter. And I'm surprised Maggie doesn't say, all three of you go to bed. Or you two go. Mike, you stay. I want to speak to you. As in, I haven't had my turn to scream at you yet. So get don't get too comfortable. No, Maggie actually also just looks at Mike with a bemused expression and also walks out. Then you hear the door slam, which is probably the door to Jason's office. Because he is that pissed. As Ben and Carol are, ha are hanging out by the, the door there. And they hear that slam, and they just look at Mike like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so, Jason continues his angry tirade upstairs in the dark of his bedroom as he's, like, throwing stuff around. We see the champagne. We see the champagne flutes. And we see the silk. She's very nice. But Jason is such in a rage that he chucks the pillows off the bed. He's screaming about wearing his pajamas. Uh, he's just... All of this anger about Mike is just... He's letting this out and raging about his pajamas. And Maggie is like, I don't see why you're so upset. This isn't the first time Mike screwed up. I'm thinking, maybe not. But is this the first time that he's been arrested? He hit a fucking cop car. You're telling me he's not going to have a record? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know how that works. But the fact that Maggie is so nonchalant about it. I mean, I'm sure she's got to be angry. She's not broiling mad like Jason is. But I, I kind of understand. It's like he put his trust into his son. He probably figured, you know, Jason's a psychiatrist, and he probably figured that, okay, my son will take this responsibility, and he'll be fine, because he's 15, and, you know, he, he's mature and everything like that, and I think the fact that he let, Mike let Jason down, I think that's why Jason is taking it so hard. It's like that he put his trust into his son, hoping he'd do the right thing, and he didn't. And he almost, it seems like Jason feels like Mike made him out to be the fool. And maybe Jason even feels in a way that maybe he failed. You know, this is his first time Maggie's out of the house after 15 years, and this is, the, like, the first day that he's been having the responsibility of the kids. It's been under his care, and this is the first... You know, that, that Mike's done this, you know, while that he's been watching the kids and everything. It's like, okay, fine, fine, don't worry, I trust you, son, you can go and do this. No way in hell would I let my 15-year-old kid go to a fucking club that's 20 and over? Hell no, I don't care if, if I were a parent in the 80s, I still wouldn't do it. 
It's one thing to trust your kids. <clears throat> but, um, hold on a second. I gotta take a sip of my mouth's getting dry. Um, it's one thing to trust your kids, but, um, just to be blatant, like, like that, like, to give your 15-year-old permission to go to a club, that is just fucking stupid. It is stupid. I mean, would you give your 18-year-old, could, even though they're legally an adult permission to go to a 21 and over club? Fuck no. Especially if they're living under your roof. It's like, yeah, you're 18 and everything like that. That's fine. But as long as you're living under this roof, there are things you're not going to do. Although then again, the person's 18 legal adult, they're going to do what they're going to do. And what really can you do? They're considered an, an adult. But Mike's not. He's 15. We do see this Jerry Dellish character again. We did not get a good look at this guy's face. Because he is played by a different actor later on. So now we go from the bedroom. We go down to the kitchen. As Mike's still sitting on the kitchen island. And Carol's just kind of pacing back and forth. Kind of looking at him. And Mike finally is like, what? And Carol's like, um... I've never actually seen Dad too angry to talk. I've never seen that before. And Mike is kind of like, oh, well, thank you for your support. I feel like a new man now. And Carol apologizes. Like, oh, I'm sorry. It's like, Carol, no, honey, don't apologize to him. He is in the wrong. And the fact that now he's blaming, uh, making you feel guilty. It's like, fuck you, Mike. Fuck you! I don't give a shit if you're 15! Oh my god! Of course, Mike is the type of person that he gets around older kids, and the kids will pressure him to do shit. Clearly, Jerry Delich did not have a license, so that's why Mike was driving the car. <sighs> this is not the first time that Mike is going to be pressured to do something by somebody older. So, Carol tries to rectify the situation. She hops up next to Mike on the kitchen island and says, Hey, look, in a year, Dad will look back on this and laugh. Don't worry about it. It'll blow over. Now we head back to the upstairs. The the bed- Jason and Maggie's bedroom is in complete disarray. We got pajamas, Maggie's clothes strewn all over the bed, the the night ta uh, nightstand every oh the closet has been just like the closet just erupted and <laughs> threw the clothes out. So it took all of that for Jason to finally admit like I'm a, I'm upset with Mike like no shit. So Jason kind of looks at Maggie like well I'm furious aren't you and she's like yeah I am but it's really. Mike's done this, like, he does this all the time, so I'm not any more angrier than I have been at all the other things that he's done. Maggie is really keeping a cool composure, because in a way, I guess, you, you kind of got to. I mean, if you just blow up at your kid and everything, and not remain calm, it's almost like you're letting your kid get to you. Don't do that. What the fuck am I talking about? Guys, I don't have kids. 
And to Maggie's like, what do you expect, Jason? Mike is a kid. He's 15. And Jason goes back to when he and Mike were sitting in his office. And Mike said, Dad, I'm ready for full responsibility. And Maggie kind of extends her hand out like, look at all this. Jason, you are not ready for full responsibility. In a way, kind of pointing out, like, honey, you are being a Ted on the ridiculous side. Like, I get that you're angry. I get that you're upset. But this is not the way to express it. So Maggie says, refers to Mike as a hormone with feet. And Jason says, yeah, but one day that hormone with feet is going to be a man. And I just want him to be able to take on some responsibility. So Maggie does say to Jason, honey, go downstairs, talk to Mike. Like, so he decides to do that. <laughs> what? You were asleep. I was? I was. And it was a dream. <laughs> oh. You still angry? Hey, Dad, I know this is no excuse, but Jerry's car handles really badly. <laughs> and I was the one who decided Jerry was too drunk to drive. Mike, he was unconscious. <laughs> I know. What are you doing with a kid who drinks like that? I should have called you. Why didn't you? Well, Dad, there was these girls there. Ah, of course. Wouldn't want them to think you had parents. <laughs> Mike, what kind of a relationship are we going to have if I can't trust you? I don't know. I guess I'm just a jerk. Maybe you shouldn't trust me. Well, that's certainly one way to go. That's the way my father went with me. I guess I hoped that when I had a son, it would be different. I know, Dad. Mike, you probably don't remember this, but when you were three weeks old, <laughs> I took you to the Mets home opener. <laughs> Cradled you in my arms. Up comes Don Clendenin. <laughs> Hits a shot off the left field scoreboard to win it in the 12. <laughs> I hugged you real tight. Jumping up and down. And you... You threw up in your complimentary Mets batting compliment. I'm sorry, Dad. It was my fault. I never should have let you suck that beer off my finger. Oh, Dad. I meant about tonight. I'm sorry. Well, thank you. No, Dad. I try, I really try. But sometimes, almost without warning, I just find myself doing something really stupid. Sort of an uncontrollable <laughs> impulse, huh? Yeah. Or is it more like you think you're doing something really stupid, and then you weigh your chances of getting away with it, and if they're better than 10%, you go for it. Yeah. That's why you're grounded for two months. <laughs> Well, if it makes you feel any better, I did some pretty lame-o things in my day. 
You? Yeah. Like what? Well, like I remember when I was 16, me and some buddies, we drove around town one night mooning everybody. <laughs> we even mooned the mayor's wife. You, Dad? Uh-huh. Yeah, we got arrested for indecent exposure. Had to let us off, though. Mayor's wife refused to make an identification. <laughs> you, Dad? Will you stop saying that? Does Mom know about this? You're kidding? How do you think we met? <laughs> All right, Dad. Hey, Dad, do you ever get the urge to do dumb stuff now? No. No, I don't, Mike. I think that's what being an adult is all about. Oh. Oh, all right. Good night, Dad. Night, son. Hey. Come back in here for a sec. <laughs> So Jason goes into the kitchen, Mike is passed out asleep on the kitchen island. So it turns out the reason that Mike was driving Jerry Delish's car is because Jerry Delish was fucking passed out drunk. And if I were Jason, Jason didn't even sit, he didn't even forbid Mike from seeing Jerry Delish again. Like, you're not seeing that kid anymore. Or that guy, because that guy's clearly got to be 17, 18 years old. And Mike even starts in with, like, I know this is no excuse, Dad, but Jerry's car handles really badly. Like, don't even go there, son. No. And, and Jason's kind of looking at him like, you want to try again? Because <laughs> I'm not buying that. So Mike's like, oh, yeah, I know. I should have called you. But there are these girls there. And Jason, you know, before men Mike mentions about the girls, Jason asks, what are you doing with a guy who drinks like that. Not even a guy that drinks like that, but I'd be like, what are you doing with a guy that drinks, period? Because that guy is not 21. No way in hell. And Jason does get to the point of, how am I supposed to trust you? And Mike is all like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a jerk. Maybe you shouldn't trust me. So Jason pretty much tells Mike about his dad, uh, Jason talks about his dad and how hard that he was on Jason, and how Jason hoped that when he had had a son that it'd be a little different. That's probably why Jason had decided to give Mike that responsibility. Like, let me give him this, you know, this freedom and see what he does with it. Uh, Jason's got this old baseball that's signed by a bunch of baseball players, and he goes on to tell Mike that when Mike was three months old, he took him to a baseball game, and he got him one of those complimentary, like, baseball baby onesie jerseys, and that Mike, like, spit up on it, which, why didn't you put a bib on him? <laughs> yeah, don't don't buy one of those things thinking that it's gonna be like clean because babies spit up all the time. So Jason also brings up a time about how when he was young and reckless, he and his friends went went around in a car mooning everyone. They mooned the mayor's wife, and eventually Jason and his friends were let off 
because the mayor's, mayor's wife did not want to identify uh, the asses that she was looking at. And Mike's like, oh, yeah, you, Dad? Um, do you still do... Do you ever... Are you ever reckless in, you know, doing stupid things? And Jason says no. You know, Jason's an adult. He's got a responsibility. He's got a family to take care of. Of course he doesn't do that stuff. So, he and Mike part on good terms. And then... When Jason started removing his belt, I'm like, is he going to fucking beat Mike with that belt? No. He he was going to moon his kid because he said, hey, and I thought Mike's head was going to pop in, but <laughs> Maggie, drinking that champagne, comes in and jumps on Jason. Oh my gosh, I bet they had sex right on that kitchen floor. <laughs> so Jason and Maggie Lee surely got down to the bone last night because they are all happy and singing and then in come Mike, Carol, and Ben Mike's got a harmonica and they break into song Moon River. I want to play this. This is cute. <laughs> You know, that was the pilot episode. Um, I'm going to give this one... So, season one is going to be the leather jacket. Mike's leather jacket rating. Um, I'm honestly going to give this one... I'm going to give it a two out of five. I thought it was good. I really wish it could have been better. I mean, it, it felt kind of weak sauce. I mean, it set up the premise... Jason's a psychiatrist, Maggie's a reporter, and Mike's a troublemaker, Ben's a cute, adorable young one, Carol's a smart one, and it's just, I don't know. Luckily, the series does get better from that, so, um, the, the two things I liked about it was, um, I liked that Jason and Mike talked it out. But I loved I loved Ben. I loved Ben from the beginning with him with the headset on and it was just so cute. So Yeah, um I really I didn't Carol she's an okay character, but she just she lets her her intelligence kind of uh rule her mind as far as Constantly putting people in their place, making them feel stupid. Like, oh, I'm smarter than you. I know what vacuous means. And it's like, who fucking cares? Um, yeah. And the whole thing with with Mike getting arrested and, and everything. And then him saying, Jerry's car doesn't handle that well. You shouldn't have been behind the fucking wheel to begin with, Mike. Um, as far as for, um, uh, words from this episode, words of advice, I'm just gonna say, if you're a kid, don't get arrested. Stay with, if you're gonna get into mischief, make sure you're, like, still, uh, above the law, or as far as following the law, there are things you can do that won't get you put into jail. So, 
All right. So, oh, uh, this episode. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, guys. I know this was kind of a a, a rough start and everything, and uh, <clears throat> I think I'm probably gonna do episodes maybe a couple times a month. It just really depends. Um, cause they also got other things they want to do with, with other shows. So it could be twice a month. It could be once a month, just here and there. Cause they want to do a uh, small wonder. I'm still doing silver spoons and occasionally I want to do, um, Mr. Belvedere and then American dreams. So, but the, the pilot just kind of like, ooh. the pilot was okay. So, we'll get into funner episodes. And like I said, I'm not going to go, like, I'm going to bounce back and forth here and there with the episodes, too. So, all right, everybody, have a great week, and I'll see you next time.